Thinking is hard, and welcome back to ETC. My name is Josh, and I'm here with my beautiful wife, Bailey. And today we have an interesting episode for you. We'll be looking at some some possible urban legends, some myths, and mostly facts. I think we're going to talk about mostly random facts. Yep. <laughs> and for this episode, we just wanted to have a little fun, let it be kind of free flowing, not so much of a structure, just a accumulation of things you might not know. Mm-hmm. So awesome. Some something to listen to while you're. Driving to work or on a road trip. Putting away laundry. Mm-hmm. It's just Basic stuff. all for fun. Yeah. So. All right. So you accum- you uh, put together some facts to start with. Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk about those first? you want to just jump right into this first one? Yeah, this is funny. <laughs> so there are actually 10 human body parts that only start with three letters. So the first one is eye. The second is hip, arm, leg, Ear, toe, <laughs> jaw, rib, lip, and gum. Can you think of any others? Maybe we can try. No, that's it. Do you think there's, there's only ten. maybe one that we can like a different name for? Um. Um. Tip of my finger. Fin. <laughs> fin. <laughs> <laughs> or Phil. Phalange. Oh, Phalange. Oh, well, yeah, Phil. Mm-hmm. I call this one Phil. <laughs> Phil with the F. <laughs> <laughs> That's neat. Yeah, yeah. Accidentally put eat. <laughs> I was like, what was that one? Oh, ear. <laughs> That's funny. So I put eat instead of ear. Oh, but okay. That's funny. Alrighty. Uh, do you want to? me to go ahead and move on to the next one. So we got these from bestlifeonline.com/slash/random/fun/facts. In case you want to go look at. They probably have a bunch more. Oh yeah, they have so many. But these just these ones really just. One hundred and seventy-five random fun facts. Oh yeah, so you got all the time to read about fun I facts. Do you wonder where they're getting these? Do they say like a reference or anything? Probably a, yeah. All right. Well, fair enough. I guess we can. I'll trust them. Okay, okay. Okay. I'll just trust them. I was gonna say, pretty sure that they may do some type of um, research. You know. I hope so. Okay. So, fact number two. More human twins are being born now than ever. Hmm. I wonder why. And little tidbit here is, do you get the feeling that there are more twins around these days than there used to be? No? Well, you should. Because according to a new study in the journal Human Reproduction... Oh, there you go. go. So, they take their sources from different sources. So, it's not just one source. They actually, like, research other... My cousin for said. Each fact. Um, the twinning rate has increased by one third since the 80s, oh up my. from nine to 10 twins per 1,000 deliveries. Currently, that adds up to about 1.6 million twins being born each year across Wowie. the world, meaning one of every 42 babies is a twin. Hmm. Helping drive that is the interest. I'm sorry. Helping Increasing drive use. that is. The increasing use of medically assisted reproduction. Okay, so like IVF. <clears throat> oh, I see. Twinning has been found to increase with a mother's age. So since people are having children later, later they're more likely to have twins. That's interesting. so interesting because, you know, we've always been kind of taught that it's harder to have kids later in life. Actually, I watched a TikTok about this really quick. Just yeah. I wish I had it. I didn't save it. But the reason why we're so like, oh, we need to have kids when we're young. And the reason why we need to have kids at like uh, 20 or 30 or, you know, you know whatever age. 
um, is because there was an old study, and it's in like BC, is when this study was made. Uh, what? Actually, I don't know if it's BC or if it's like, um, the year like 1600s. I think it's, it's probably the, 1600s. the early 1600s. Yeah. So, <clears throat> so um. Well, I'm sure they made up all kinds of crap in that. They did, and they don't have anything to back it up now. Yeah, I'm gonna say the 1600s really was when they were like, "You have a headache." Common headaches. Mm. We'll have to scalp you. Yeah, we're gonna have to take out a chunk of your brain. That'll fix it. That'll that'll get it. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah. So, I thought that was really interesting, and like how a bunch of women are now like programmed to think that they have to have kids at such a young age, and now this article is saying you could be like forty or you know even fifty and have a Mm -hmm. chance of having not one baby but two. I think that's really cool. Although, if you're looking to just have one at that age, it's a little scary. It's a little, it's a little scary. <laughs> it's a little more risky. <laughs> uh So, yeah, that's really awesome. I mean, it's still, it's still a pretty small chance. It's increased from nine to twelve per one thousand. So, I mean, <laughs> you want to read? Should we read the next one, or I'll read the next one? Uh, the heads on Easter Island have bodies attached to them. And I think I remember, I remember seeing a little bit more about these of how like they could have possibly been made because Easter Island used to be a tree, used to be a tree covered island until they chopped down all the trees and then could no longer live on there. So um, according to this, the iconic stone heads protruding from the ground on Easter Island are familiar to most, but many don't realize what lies beneath the surface. In the tens, 1910s, archaeologists studying the hundreds of stone statues on the Pacific Island excavated two of the figures, revealing full torsos, which measure as high as 33 feet. I want to look at this picture, if they have a picture. Well, yeah, that's a full torso. It's kind of, it's pretty basic. It's just like a, it's like a flat thing, but he has like little arms cut out. That's pretty interesting. That is cool. I remember hearing about like how they could have rolled them into place using logs like they laid them flat down on logs and like rolled them along but how they got kind of sunken i don't know um but neat Uh, oh the 20 is that the 2010s not the 1910s because that's a color picture (laughs) i was gonna say yes um it is the 2010s the 2010s okay (laughs) goodness gracious that's interesting hmm Probably religious significance for or something, or just for fun. Mm-hmm. One king was just like, you know what? I have an idea. All right, guys, we're gonna build some giant stone statues that look like me. Oh, I'm sorry. He's those stone a, statues tall, are not. He's got a tall forehead. <laughs> they are not a. Isn't that the dum dum gimme gum gum? Yeah, it is. Okay. Okay. So that means that movie's wrong, unless they chopped the rest of his body off. Because remember, in that movie, it's just a head. Well, that movie it was before 2010. That is true. So they didn't even know that there was a body attached. How would you not know there's a body attached? Like, when, okay. Well, uh, anyway, good question. Anyway, okay. Know. So the moon has moon quakes. Oh I bet you didn't think that. I bet you didn't know that. Just as the Earth has earthquakes, the moon has. Yep, you guessed it. Moon quakes, less common and less intense than oh, the shakes sure. that happen here, of course, but. Moonquakes are believed by U.S. geological. Sorry, <laughs> this is when I start to read like a dumbass. <laughs> okay. Moonquakes are believed by U.S. Geological Survey, so USGS scientists, to occur due to tidal stresses connected to the distance between the Earth and the Moon. 
So like how the moon is pulling on the earth with gravity, the mm-hmm. earth is doing the same. And that causes the Whoa. rocks on the moon to be like have stress and then suddenly they Ooh, snap. Law of attraction. Because I'm pretty sure that the moon is cold inside. I mean, it's still, I think, a, you know, a few thousand degrees, but it's it's colder than the earth. Like it doesn't have a molten core. So it doesn't it's not actively moving like like the earth is. That's neat. Do you mean to read this part? Yep. The hottest spot on the planet is in Libya. Well, I don't really want to go there, so I don't know why it's not the hottest spot. But um, sorry. I'll I'll read this. <laughs> Specifically, the hottest spot ever recorded on Earth is in El Azizia in Libya, where a temperature of 136 degrees Fahrenheit was recorded on September 13th, 1922. Wow. While hotter spots have likely occurred in other parts of the planet at other times, this is the most scorching temperature ever formally recorded by a weather station. Wow. That's toasty. That's ha- really warm. What What's the boiling point of water? Is like a... Hold on. Boiling point? I actually don't know. I'm really awful with temperatures when I'm it comes sure to Fahrenheit. I'm sure you could cook an egg, though. At at Fahrenheit. Let's see what that says. I'm sure you could cook an egg or something in, in Libya. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Boiling point, boiling point. Please give me another. 212. Okay, so not... If the you air let is it, not boiling. If you let it sit there all day, I'm sure it would boil. Oh, it would cook or boil or whatever. Heck, yeah. But, you know, you could you could definitely cook an egg. You it's could sit tasty. it, like, right over on that little flat area right here. And then come back, like, literally two minutes later, I'm sure, and it would be a fried <laughs> egg just waiting for you. Mm. Well, maybe some random creature will get it, but... yeah. Scorpion might come up and snag it. Snag it. Let's see here. <clears throat> okay. This one might be hard to believe. So I know, right? This one, I, I didn't, I was like, what? And I like sat there for five minutes trying to figure out what, like how it works. So yeah. your nostrils work one at a time. When we breathe in and out of our nose during the day, one nostril does most of the work at a time with the duties switching every several hours. This nasal cycle is dictated by the same autonomic nervous system that regulates heart rate, digestion, and other unconscious bodily functions, and is the reason why, when our nose gets stuffed up, it does so one nostril at a time. Dude, that's so true. Oh. My nostril. Do you nostril. think I have a favorite nostril? Your body has a favorite my nostril. My body has a favorite nose. nostril because yeah. every time I bleed out of my nose, I only bleed out of my nose one nostril, <laughs> and it's this one. No. And the other one is always fine. Fine. Hmm. Yeah. So it just like goes through. Or maybe that means that this one is messed up because blood isn't coming through. I don't know. I don't know what that means. But I I can definitely say for a fact that when my nose is stuffy, I, for one, cannot breathe out of both my nostrils. But if I were to choose a nostril that I can breathe better out of, better out of, it would be the right one. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry. I said better. Like when you, when, like, Say you're laying in bed, like one nostril fills up, and you like turn. You're laying one side, and then oh. you turn the other side, and it. I get up. Helps. I actually get like sitting up. It actually helps both. It like. Oh, okay. Do you ever feel that like popping feeling inside your nose whenever you get up? Probably to help you like breathe a little bit. Yeah. Also, Vicks really helps too. So like oh, then it really opens up. Or oh, yeah. a shower. I like this one. I might read this one. There are only two animals, excuse me, mammals, that like spicy food. 
humans and the tree shrew and that thing looks both adorable and ugly at the same time oh my god you know what that looks like <laughs> it looks like ears look at his ears oh he does wow those are really like really eerie. human ears so he looks like the thing from ice age the thing oh, that's always uh, scrat he's always trying to cr- like he's trying always to, messing up the ice he's trying to bury his nut his acorn mm-hmm <laughs> While humans have long had the rare distinction of being the only mammal that actually enjoys spicy food, that list has seen a new addition. As a study by Chinese researchers found out that tree shrews have a mutation in their ion (coughs) channel... Have a mutation? Have a mutation in their ion channel receptor, TRBV1, which makes it less sensitive to the hot chemical in chili peppers. As a result, the adorable critters happily gobbled up corn pellets laced with the, some spice. I can't. Kappa, capsaicin. Capsaicin. Compounds that give peppers their spice. While other mammals in the study avoided them. So there were just some like Chinese researchers out in the forest with just some spicy food he spread over the ground. Oh, look, he's eating it. Actually. He looks like Chuck E. Cheese. He's eating it right he there. He looks like Chucky. Oh. Okay. <laughs> like Chucky from Chuck E. Cheese? Uh-huh. That's funny. That's interesting. I mean, it, foods being spicy is a like a deterrent so that we don't eat them. Like for like peppers and stuff, it's so that we don't eat their seeds. Although, is it though? Because if you eat their seeds, then it like goes through your system and then like it's surrounded by growable material. I don't know. Anyway, did we read this part or do you want to read it? Uh, I will read this one. Okay. Um, what, is, there, is there a title? Oh, it's... Oh, no. Not really. T-I-L. Today I learned. Oh, today I learned that lipstick was first invented in ancient Sumerian and in Indus Valley about 5,000 years ago. Later, people wore lipstick for different purposes. The ancient Egyptians wore lipstick to show social status rather than gender, while the Chinese protected their lips. Wait, wow. they used lipstick to protect their lips? Yeah, like lipstick. Uh, like uh, lip uh, balm. Like for sunblock. Like chapstick? And- yeah, I like chapstick, they... excuse me. Yeah. Oh. Except it was just colored because they hadn't yet invented, like, clear right, lipstick. Right, right, right. So, and that's pretty clever because, I mean, if you're out working in working in the in the bright sun, yeah. you burn the hell out of your, oh, your yeah. lips. Have you ever had burnt lips? I don't think so. It Thankfully. is terrible. I'm sure it's awful. It is terrible. I had burnt lips, like, maybe once or twice as a kid. And obviously you can't put sunscreen, really, on your lips. Yeah. But you, you do wear lip balm, you mm-hmm. know, when you go to the the beach but you know kids aren't really remembering i need lip balm for my lips yeah for the beach so you know my lips were so like they were like a bright red like you know how you um eat or drink kool-aid yeah it turns your mouth red eat a popsicle like a red popsicle or drink like red kool-aid it was like that red but without the ring you know and with pain and with a little bit of pain because they get they like (laughs) the dead skin it peels off oh yeah just like your skin Ouchie. Yeah, that's from uh, Today I Learned from Reddit, and it looks like the link is to Wikipedia. So. Nice. Neat. That's interesting that it, like you'd see men and women wearing lipstick, but it was based on like their social status. So if they were like, yeah. you know, a noble, they would all be wearing like purple or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's cool. What was it, different colors or just lipstick in oh, general? I'm sure it was different colors. Okay. Because, I mean, it's the Egyptians, so they had access to a lot of different stuff. Like bugs and flowers and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So I'm sure they wore different colors. <clears throat> All right. So today I learned that 65% of cancer survivors surveyed by War on Cancer 
said that they had been ghosted by their friends or family after their diagnosis. That's effed up, dog. We literally have seen a TikTok. Well, at least I have. I remember of a, what is it? Like, am I the asshole type situation? And it was like, don't tell blank that I have cancer or something like that. And it was like, Mm. oh, no, I'm divorcing my wife because she has eternal terminal illness. Oh, gosh. And basically his reasoning behind it was he just couldn't go through it. But it was like, okay, that's interesting because like i'm pretty sure you're not really going through much i mean you're going through obviously the terror of your your person passing away of course but like you immediately thought of yourself and didn't think of the person that's actually going to be going through that right you know and you just were like yeah i'm just going to divorce them yeah because they're not going to live anyway even though there is a chance that they could beat it yeah probably a good chance too blows my mind so that's really sad like imagine you get cancer and all your friends and family st- stop talking to you. I mean, their reasoning is probably like that's so l- lonely. Ugh, gosh, I wonder what the reasoning for that is. They just probably don't want to deal same. with the grief and yeah. deal with the which makes no sense because you've known them for so long, right? Yeah. So like either way, you're gonna grieve and act like they're dead. Yeah. If you're gonna cut them off like that, so mm-hmm. you're still gonna grieve. So what's the point of losing time with someone that you know may not make it, and yeah. you just cut them off early? That doesn't make any sense to me. It's rude. And also, it. I mean, just like a pet, you know, you'd want to be there for them well, on yeah, their last few so. days. So yeah. it's kind of like, why would, why would anyone do that? Yeah. Well, on a happier note, the human body literally glows, which I think I saw that something about this earlier. It might be hard to see with your naked eye, but everyone you pass by every day is literally glowing. The human body emits a small quantity of visible light. Visible in the technical sense, the illuminations is about one thousand times less intense than the levels of light that would you would actually be able to see. Researchers in Japan used a special camera to track this glow and found that it fluctuates throughout the day, with the body emitting its lowest light levels around 10 a.m. and the highest around 4 p.m. A rhythm the scientists attribute to the changes in one's metabolism. Makes sense. Like all your all your cells are busy working away your mitochondria is your powerhouses of the cells mm-hmm. you know doing their jobs i mean you're i think with pretty much any activity like there's heat and light because they're kind of synonymous with each other so that's cool that's pretty cool so do you think if you have a high enough metabolism you could literally glow I have to eat a lot of hamburgers but <laughs> well, then, you'll be, <laughs> then you will not be glowing you'll be oily <laughs> you'll just be greasy greasy <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! We'll just mistake your oil, your beautiful glow for a lovely, great greasy mm-hmm. glow. Okay, we 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 knew that. I knew that. Nice. Um, nothing that looks like that. I will read. <laughs> it's a album cover, I think. <coughs> I think I saw that somewhere. That's neat. Hmm. That is so true. You want to read that? Yeah. So um, I specifically have a hard time focusing. So I do chew gum for one reason or two reasons. I chew gum when I'm nauseous because it's mm, minty. Fair. And two, I chew gum because it helps concentration, in my opinion. Um, and also I have ADHD. So like moving and stuff, like yep. when your jaw is constantly moving, it actually feels like you're moving. So that, yep. actually, that also helps. But... It says the next time you are having trouble focusing, you might want to reach for a stick of gum. 
A 2013 study in the British Journal of Psychology found that those subjects who chewed gum while taking part in a memory challenge were able to stay focused for longer periods of time than those who did not chew gum. Hmm. That's really cool. I think it limits probably distractions or something, you know, instead of just like randomly moving your tongue around in your mouth or, you know, messing with your, your jaw, mm-hmm. you know, you're focused on, you're just like mindlessly gnawing away. By the way, this title, um, I apologize. I did not read it. It's chewing gum boost concentration. So okay. it does. It really does. I think yeah. so. I wonder if that's like synonymous with like, it prevents you from throwing up as you can concentrate on not throwing up easier oh for nausea (laughs) yeah oh possibly i know that mint is very helpful with nausea and grapes really wait no i might be wrong no grapes are very good for nausea is what Mm. i've heard same with cramps okay it's kind of like cranberry Mm. juice i guess in the in the chewable version yeah um yeah so some you know some foods kind of help some flavors i guess Hmm. maybe acids help or you could just like clear your throat yeah what i've heard for nausea you go <clears throat> over and over again. Yeah. <laughs> Although it will come up eventually, unfortunately, you will throw up. <laughs> it'll it'll help. Oh, <laughs> <gasps> I did not know this. That makes sense. You're, you're they, make, they mistake each other. Bees sometimes sting other bees. Yeah. Bees are notorious for their stings, but humans aren't the only ones who experience the pain in the neck or the arm or the leg in protecting their hives from outsiders. Some guard bees will stay by the entrance and sniff the bees that come in, says Marianne Peso from the biology department of Macquarie University. If there's a rogue bee from another hive trying to steal some nectar, the guard bee will bite down and even sting the intruder. I didn't realize that bees can bite. So I actually have a myth. They do have mandibles. Which I don't know if this is true or not, but when I was growing up, I learned that when a bee... And this could be a wasp, actually, but when a bee stung, it actually was connected to all their insides. Oh, yeah, that's true. It is true. Yeah. So he kills himself? Basically, yeah. To protect his hive? Basically, yeah. But he... I don't know why that's the adaptation, because obviously other animals have adapted to be able to sting multiple times, so that's kind of a strange trade-off. But, um, I mean, when you have, like, hundreds of thousands of bees, you know, what's, what's one bee... You know, I guess so. Yeah, they just switch out one. Yeah, they just train. I'm sure there's not guard. a lot of intruders, but I'm sure that they oh, yeah. kind of like a, a bouncer at a club. Yeah, or a security well, guard at a club. I imagine stinging is kind of like a last resort anyway. Like if biting doesn't. You said biting. Yeah, yeah bite. Which I didn't they, even they know. Apparently, bite. I was gonna say it. I don't know that a bee could bite. But so. if they bite him and they don't run off, then I'm sure they're like, all right, now you done it, and then. Them. And then he's dead. Yeah, they both go down. But they don't always die because it like they're they're stingers are hooked but sometimes it doesn't stick so like you can get stung by a bee and a bee will leave and be just fine because the the stinger just didn't hook so i don't ever want to get stuck by a bee that's probably why it happens like that is because their stingers attached to their their stinging sack and because they're designed to like leave the stinger in you you know they had that problem anyway that is so awful oh gosh you want to read this one that's cute. Kids ask 300 questions a day. I'm sure that's a, a rough estimate. They probably ask some like cute questions like, hey, can I have oh, yeah. this snack? What's that? What's this? Can oh, I have this? Do you like this color, Mom? Mm-hmm. Well, why are you ugly? Why? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> 
Why is dad so stupid? (laughs) A 2013 UK study from online retailer littlewoods.com observed young children and recorded the questions they asked the adults around them. The children tended to turn to their mothers for answers, and these moms could end up answering an average of nearly 300 questions per day, or one question every two and a half minutes. The study found... Oh, the study found. The hardest question. The moms reported that the hardest questions they were asked included, why is water wet? Wow. And what are shadows made of? So I love that. I love that so much. Um, why is water wet? I am hmm. not a parent, so I can't really answer this. But if, you know, our kids were to ask us those questions, I'd be like, good question. Like, I think I'm still learning that at my age, too. You know, like it's okay. We can, say, uh, if I figure out the answer, I will let you know. Because honestly, I don't have an answer at the moment. Yeah. Maybe Dad does. Hey, I Dad. Say, I, I would have an answer, but it would probably be way beyond their learning level, and I would. Oh, it would be no, the difficult part would be explaining have, it in a way that they could understand. Right. I was gonna say they're gonna have like five I, I other for bonus questions. Why is water wet? I would say like, well, water likes to stick together. It's so a, it will stick to your hands. It's it's almost like soluble. sticky. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's because it's, uh, it's a polar molecule. So it right. easily sticks together. And then what are shadows made of? They're made of... They're made of you. A lack of light more than Well, yes, light. but they're... They're, they're well, not like, made of anything. They're, well, they're something. Yes, yes. But like I think what their questions are is like shadow of like their stuffed animal or something. It's like it's made of the animal and then the light emitting yeah. off the animal. Or, yeah. Like covering... A certain portion, kind of like the moon, but it's hard to explain them to like the moon's situation. (laughs) Like, why does the moon go away every month? Like, oh, well, so basically, when (laughs) yeah, you'd have to get like two balls of tinfoil and like, yeah, like this. Which I mean, visual learning has always helped me, so I wouldn't mind doing visual learning with them too. It's just having, I think, at the at the end of it all, is like having the patience to answer those three hundred questions, and if they're going to be asking according to research me all the questions um i will introduce them to dad as well oh, okay i'll be like here 150 questions for you here write those down and 150 for me <laughs> <laughs> we'll split it you want to read this one no we can read the last one i think we read the last one no no you have one right here oh no that was it i thought you were gonna read oh this. The, okay well, so hold there, was on, a, there was a that's okay. an urban legend okay i can read the urban legend it's yes. been 30 minutes okay should I end it with the urban legend? Yeah. Okay. And so, you can you can please read this. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So we're gonna end off this episode with an urban legend, a Florida urban legend, and I haven't read this yet, so we're going into this kind of blind. But this is called Florida Skunk Ape, which I had heard of once in like a, a diorama making video, and basically it's like Bigfoot, but he lives in swamps. So makes sense. Like imagine a Florida Bigfoot. we've all heard of bigfoot the giant ape that's a bit too human that stalks the wilderness around america but what about his cousin the florida skunk ape the florida skunk ape is a bipedal ape-like creature seen in the wilderness areas in and around florida and is said to be similar to a bigfoot but smaller in stature about five to seven feet tall it is covered in reddish brown fur and is said to be smell incredibly bad like a skunk that's been startled. That would explain when we were driving through, like, the Everglades area. I think, that, yeah. That we saw that, like, statue of, like, Bigfoot in the water. Remember that? Oh, Remember my those? God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That's probably where 
it lies like lay not lays but it probably where it resides maybe (gasps) maybe they saw him there yeah because you and i were i think you i remember you saying like oh there's a bigfoot yeah there's like a bigfoot Bigfoot statue (laughs) on the side of the road near this like thing near this like shack so that was near um where we were about to eat lunch on the way back yeah that was in like the everglades national forest area right near what was that city i don't remember the name of that city lunch at I don't remember. Uh, uh, Naples? I think so. Naples. Okay. Just before we got to Naples. All right. Sightings. The Seminole culture, a Native American people from Florida, have a legend of a creature called Esti Kapkaki. Esti Kapkaki translates as cannibal giant. Oh, gosh. The creature is described as being secretive, incredibly strong, and very foul-smelling. The sightings of the skunk ape have been recorded for as long as European settlers first arrived in florida in 1818 local newspapers reported a man-sized ape rummaging in the food stores of fishermen along the shore in what is now apalchicola apalchicola yeah florida in 1942 a man from sawanee county reported an aggressive ape-like creature attacking him while he was driving down a rural road he said the creature rushed out of the bush line and grabbed onto his vehicle and pounded on the door, running alongside the car for half a mile before fleeing. Oh, my. Also in the 1940s, a small community of Putnam County, Florida, became a hotspot for Florida skunk ape sightings. The creature became lo- known to locals as the Barden Booger. <laughs> Probably stunk. Yeah, it looked ugly. Reports of the skunk ape intensified in the frequency in 1950s and 70s and an organization called the bigfoot field researchers organization has collected hundreds of alleged sightings from almost every county in florida stretching from 1955 until today two sheriff's deputy from palm beach county named ernie milner and mavit marvin lewis had an encounter with what they believed to be the florida skunk ape in the 70s they were out working in a grove in a grove near Palm Beach when an ape-like creature began to stalk them. They shot at it with their firearms and it fled. They were then able to follow a trail of footprints and found some hair that had become caught in a barbed wire fence. And then here's a little video of the skunk ape. Ooh, from 2000. Uh, 1997 was a big year for the Florida skunk ape. A number of tour guides in the Florida Everglades and their guests reported sightings of a Florida skunk ape. One of the US operators named David Cheely had some traps set for pests with lima beans. All right. He noticed that the traps had all been raided and strange footprints were leading up to them. You can imagine just like this human sized, hairy, smelly ape going up and. Lima bean. <laughs> Stealing your lima beans. <laughs> oh, lima bean. Lima bean. Hmm. <laughs> He decided to set a whole lot more traps, and then suddenly there was an influx of squirrela... I almost said Florida. <laughs> Florida skunk ape sightings in the area. Sheely believes that the wet weather and flooding in the area that year caused the secretive creatures to come closer to humans to get away from the floodwaters. This is a, flo- a photo taken that you can maybe see the skunk ape in the distance there. Ooh, well. Uh, I'll skip to the theories. Believers in skunk ape assert that it is a species of ape that has remained undiscovered due to its intelligence and its desire to remain unseen. I def- I was going to say I agree with that. I think that if it was a person, because I was thinking originally, I was like, mm, that's a person. It would not be alive. 
<laughs> from 1940 to now in the wilderness. Like, Maybe you know not, what I mean? Yeah. Like, there's no way. There's no way. Skept- Unless Skeptics believe that all of the encounters with Florida skunk ape are either cases of mistaken identity or simply hoaxes. Many people believe that the Florida skunk ape is an orangutan that has escaped from nearby research facilities. There are a number of facilities in the state that breed and experiment on monkeys of varying shapes and sizes. Interesting. Oh, look, you can even get a book. There's even a book. The Florida Skunk Ape that by lettering Jacob Disajarlais. That lettering is not... Yeah, that's not great. That's it's not very good sense. typography. Yeah. <laughs> what? That's funny. Like you... No. <laughs> so interesting. Cool. The Florida Skunk... Do you believe in the Florida Skunk Ape? Do you think he's real? I don't know. I feel like for all of... Uh, like So for Bigfoot, it's more believable, I think. Because he's a big hairy creature in areas that are cold, areas that are cold, right? Mm-hmm. Florida, it gets freaking hot and humid. I think it's an ape, like an like actual how would ape something that, that this big, well, hairy, and like full of yeah. thick hair be able to deal with the heat? I don't think it's a person because there's no way they'd be living right now. But it very much could be an ape because apes already hunt for food anyway and it could be one that actually got out but i don't really know how it would get out so maybe 1940s it got out and those things can live really long just as bad as as long as a A short lived of a human yeah short life of a but you know they have a better hunting ability Uh, than than humans i don't think he's a real because i don't think he's a real at all i think it's a guy in a suit that's sweating his ass off (laughs) (laughs) definitely (laughs) because like my my thinking is, if it was a big hairy creature, why is it going out in the day when it's like the hottest part of the day? You mm-hmm. know, it would want to go out like before the sun goes down or before it comes up, and or maybe at night, you know, and stay out of the heat. It's still gonna be humid though. My goodness. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I don't believe in this gun game. Sorry, but if you do, I do. Let us know your <laughs> theories. Do you think I he's an global. orangutan? Escaped orangutan? The one just escapes every ten years to. To stock the Everglades <laughs> and mm-hmm. steal lima beans. <laughs> well, I think we're going to end it there. Hope you enjoyed this episode and learned a little bit. Maybe got your brain thinking about the, the Florida skunk ape. Might be outside your door right now for your lima beans. Mm-hmm. Or any of the other facts. <laughs> or any of the other facts. Well, legends and facts. Legends yeah. and facts. And we look forward to seeing you in the next episode of... ETC. ETC. Bye. Bye.